I think it took like it took a while because our first real wine experience was the Okanagan. So you get those big, heavy reds and stuff like that. So it took us a while to get used to reds and reds in particular that weren't as leathery or peppery, uh, like deep, complex flavors. But we've come to really enjoy Vancouver Island wines. We continue to look out for other wineries on the island that are doing things really, really well. So yeah, much to explore on the island, that's for sure. They just need to figure out how to grow a really nice red in the cold climate now. Yeah. And they'll be... Yeah, there you go. A real, like, peppery red in the cold climate. Mm. Now, that would be interesting. Well, genetic modification, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) GMO! Welcome to Taste BC Radio, where we're going on a journey to explore restaurants, breweries, wineries, and just about anywhere where you can eat and drink local. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dan. And we are talking twice a month about local BC food and drink. If you want to join in on the conversation, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at TasteBCRadio or email us at host at TasteBCRadio.ca. All right, tasters, let's get into it. So, Dan, I have some exciting news. Ooh, please share. So, we bought paddleboards. Oh, from Savon? Yeah. Well, so Savon was having a clearance sale. And I would never think to get paddle boards from Savon, but they were half price. And then on top of that, Kalina's wellness allowance covered basically half the price of that. So we ended up, what? We ended up getting two paddle boards for, to us, about 250 bucks. Oh my God. That's so good. I'm so jealous. And would have, would have been regular like 900. So that was pretty exciting. Oh my gosh. No kidding. We took him out for a spin yesterday, oh, how'd they... or a paddle yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah? They came with, like, the motor to blow it up and stuff like that, yeah? Yeah, a hand pump. So oh. a hand pump, uh, paddle, like a backpack for them. Oh, sweet. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And then a couple other things, like a patch kit. Ooh, are you going to take them on your camping trip? Yeah, so we're going to take them out to the Sunshine Coast as well. But it's really exciting like it takes like five minutes to set it up yeah i haven't been paddleboarding in years so it was really exciting and i'm obsessed with it now so <laughs> why am i not surprised <laughs> yeah but it's funny because awesome. they, they they're inflatable ones so yeah. they collapse down quite small or quite small relatively yeah and the bag that they came with i actually am able to fit both paddle boards both paddles and a pump in no way Oh I mean, you're God. supposed to put one, one of each in each, but in right. each bag. But I just shoved them in there, and it fit. So oh. in a pinch. So the storage is really quite small. Oh wow! Holy moly! Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. So. Oh, I'm so jealous. I look. I was at a save on uh, yesterday, and I couldn't. I was looking around for them, and I couldn't find them at our save on. Yeah, I think I really lucked out because we got the last two ones and. They seemed like they were nowhere else, so it was fate. <laughs> no kidding. I guess they were just trying to get rid of them. They were taking up too much space or whatever, which is weird. Cause I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that is so awesome, buddy. Yeah. I'm so jealous. We want some paddle boards now. <laughs> yeah. We would have we would have stayed up there a lot longer if the lake wasn't just swarming with these flies that would like bite you, and it was so incessant. Oh. We we got like eaten alive up there. It was wild. Where was, sorry, where and then were we put you on where Belcara? We were up at Birkenhead Lake, just north of Penticton. Or sorry, just oh. north of Pemberton. 
Oh wow! Oh shoot! That's a that's a journey. Yeah. Well, we went up to Pemberton for the day, nice. and then got some food, and drove up. It's it's about fifty minutes north of Pemberton. This this lake. Oh wow! And it's amazing. It's huge. It's fifteen kilometers down a gravel road, and Oof. pretty warm, like like refreshing, but still warm enough. And then the only problem was the the flies and. Yeah. There were a couple like hornets flying around too that were pretty in your face, and so it was really, really annoying. Oh. And so we ended up not staying nearly as long as we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Because and we went to a different lake instead. So, <laughs> oh my god, oh that is, I'm so jealous. I love paddleboarding so much. Yeah. Other than the flies, I know. I'm not super jealous about that. That sounds terrible. Yeah, that wasn't. It wasn't the greatest, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was super fun. Did you put Kaylee on the... Did Kaylee come with you guys, or did she stay home? So, our dog, Kaylee, was not very happy to be on the paddle boards. Aww. We tried to tried to get her on there. We're going to try to train her to be able to sit on them, yeah, but yeah. it's going to take some time. Oh, She's a little worrywart. So, she would get up on it, and then as soon as it would move, she was like, nope, and jump off. <laughs> but she swims... She, she swims a ton, so... We would paddle out and she would swim beside us for the first little bit and then go back. And then she was totally fine on the beach. She was getting attacked by the flies too. So it was pretty unpleasant overall oh. for, for for that. We put on kind of a pseudo bug spray because we didn't, we didn't think to bring any with us, but we had some lemongrass. And so we put that on and it was a little helpful, but yeah, it wasn't enough to deter from it. Not enough to really keep them away, but deter them slightly. Yeah, yeah, it would work for a minute, and then they would kind of make their way back. But it was really cool. There was there was huge schools of fish. Like, I got this video of them. There was probably 500 fish. What? About the size, like, yeah, probably about four inches long or so. And yeah. they w- were just all really tightly packed up in a, in a school. And then I would kind of drift past them on the paddleboard and they've dispersed and <laughs> it was wild yeah oh that is so cool oh that's definitely going to yeah. be a purchase for us soon we uh we're missing our time at the lake and uh, i love paddleboarding as you know i like to do yeah. some handstands and stuff like that which is super fun and <laughs> a couple of pictures of that and videos but oh it's um well we're so close to elk and beaver lake now so we have i mean we don't have an excuse not to at this point. And it would be really cool to circumnavigate both lakes. That would be really fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I am just constantly thinking of all the fun places we can go paddleboard places. Yeah, so. well, especially on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. You're just surrounded by water. and uh, Yes, yeah. Oh, that's going to be so fun. So fun. I really want to paddleboard from English Bay to Squamish. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's like a multi-day journey wouldn't it i don't know i don't know i haven't done any research <laughs> i don't even know if it's possible <laughs> oh i'm sure it's possible i uh but oh my gosh that'd be a good uh good uh test of like bringing some like camping gear and then uh paddleboard throughout the day and then uh maybe pack a lunch or pack or pack some food and then you can stop along the way that'd be cool actually that'd be yeah really well fun. that that's one of the that's one of the the main reasons we were so excited to get these was because we want to go. There's a lot of campgrounds in BC that you can only get to with 
water transportation. So whether that's a boat or canoe or paddle paddleboard or whatever. And so we want to go do those. There's there's some up near Wells Gray. Yeah. Um where you can drive up to. It's like an eight hour drive from here. And then you park your car and then you can pop on the paddleboard and you paddle up and you can get to these exclusive campgrounds. <laughs> Ooh, fancy. Yeah. Only accessible by boat. Yeah, definitely got the bug um, at the end of the summer. So perfect gearing, timing, I guess. Gearing up, I, we'll probably probably use them a lot through September. So, oh yeah, it's gonna be warm. It's gonna be so warm, probably. Oh man, well, that's super exciting. I'm very jealous of you two. I want I want paddle boards. Me, you can come visit and try them out. Uh, yeah, I'm. Okay, <laughs> visit, you actually, you actually vi- have to visit though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming just for your paddle boards. That's it. That's all. Perfect. <laughs> they double as a bed. <laughs> uh. Oh, um, so now that we have paddle boards, Clean is thinking about doing a triathlon. Ooh. But like a paddle bike run. Paddle bike run. Love it. Oh, that's that would be so fun. Yeah, because um, I want to do the PDX marathon or triathlon in next June. P- Portland. Oh, in Portland. Oh, okay. Is that PDX? Yeah. Is that... Um... It's their airport code. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's like it's like saying YVR. YVR, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So, um, yeah, so I want to do their triathlon next Sweet. year, and then uh, potentially one other one as well, depending where I'm at with school. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they they also offer a paddle bike uh, run or a, a kayak bike run. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. You guys should come down. You should do them. When when is it? It's June fourth. Oh yeah, I bet you we could do that. Oh, that would be so fun in the summer. Oh, yeah. Even if even if you don't want to compete, there's a, there's a, other options too. There's like um, duathlon, which is run bike run, and then there's aqua bike, which is swim bike only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I definitely want to do it. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, like if anything, if if nothing else, you guys should do the duathlon, which is just run bike run. Hmm. It's kind of nice that they give you that option to do uh, different kind of yeah. Um, that's that's actually really nice. I, me yeah. personally, I'd love to do like the just the regular one, just to see that I've done one. That'd be cool. Well, then you and I, you and I can do the regular one, and then the girls can do the paddleboard ones. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, you convinced me. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted my rubber arm. You son of a bitch! I'm in. That's the, thank <laughs> you. Oh, I've been trying trying to remember how that. Uh, how that went, Rick and Morty, come on. Okay, so All right. good. Ready? All right, back on topic, yep. <laughs> Dan, we're talking wines this week. Oh, one of my favorites. I think right up there with breweries. I love wineries. Did I ever tell you that I wanted to start a winery at one point in my life? That does not surprise me whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't surprise But there was a solid four or five years in my life when I was I had really started getting into well BC wines that I was thinking yeah. this is the ultimate dream was to make a winery. Where would you have uh opened it? Oh, Lake Country for oh, sure. Perfect. Yeah. Between Kelowna and Vernon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the absolute most expensive and well, actually that's not true. I I assume uh the Aramat is probably the the most expensive place to start one. But yeah, no, I, I, I wanted to just have this tiny little winery where we just make a small amount of cases per year and and it's almost like a side hustle and then the kind of reality 
slipped in and I realized that that was, uh, <laughs> can't really be a side really hustle possibility. Yeah. And then on top of that, I, I also moved to Boston and when I got there, they used the, uh, first of all, there was no BC wines there. Oh, so because it, yeah. Um, so there's no BC wines there and the vast majority of what they had was old world wines. And so when I had that realization that I thought I knew a lot about wine mm-hmm. and then I actually knew nothing about wine or, well, I mean, obviously the winemaking process doesn't change, but I was like, oh yeah, I can name huge, huge amounts of wineries and grapes and varietals that they use. And then I got to get more experience in old world wines. And I was like, I have never heard of this grape. I've never heard of this region. I've never heard of anything. And so when, when we moved back to BC and I was comfortable with the varietals again, I was like, okay, this, this is home. This makes more sense. (laughs) (laughs) And it reminds me actually of, uh, like kind of medicine where you the more you've the more you learn the more you realize you you know nothing about it <laughs> like you just go oh, down man that, that's got to be for yeah that's got to be for everything it's like with food i remember in culinary school they were saying the more you learn about food the less you're gonna want to know about food yep. and we would learn things and it just you spirals and spirals and you can get as far as going into nutrition and micros and macros and and all that kind of stuff or you can just look at it and be like because my biggest problem with chef culture is chefs that are always overcomplicating things Mm -hmm. and they go in and they try to and they taste and they taste and they taste and they tweak and they tweak and they tweak and And realistically the average palate doesn't care Mm -hmm. if there is a quarter teaspoon or a half teaspoon of lemon juice in it because you're making a 16 gallon vat of something so (laughs) so for me it's like does it taste good great is it easy to make great and so that's my whole philosophy around cooking. It really upsets a lot of chefs that I've worked with <laughs> because in culinary school, I would always finish everything before everybody. And they're like, how are you done? I'm like, because I'm just keeping it simple. Yeah. That's all you got to do. You have so much time to do this. And people, they were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And I'm just like, here's my lobster bisque. And they're like, it took you 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, lobster bisque. <laughs> there you go. Cause all it was was pass or fail. So yeah, yeah. especially in culinary school, it didn't matter. It was, is it what I asked for? And does it taste good? And that's it. Perfect. <laughs> Doesn't matter if there's a dash of cinnamon. <laughs> yeah. One or two teaspoons of whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keep it simple. That's what it's anyway, all about. Yeah. Well, and then, and then Kalina always gets mad at me because uh, we find a recipe and I look at the recipe and I look at the ingredients and then I close the book and then I just make it how I feel it should be made. <laughs> and she's like... <laughs> No, I want you to follow the recipe exactly. I'm like, I literally cannot do that. My brain will explode. <laughs> so once in a while, I have to follow a recipe exactly because I get a really cool cookbook. And I'm like, I want to make sure I do this properly. Especially right. if it's like a cuisine that I don't know very well. Like um, uh, like I recently got a Korean cookbook Ooh. that I'm really into. And so the food in there is phenomenal. But I have to follow a lot of the steps specific because there are ingredients I've worked with less with or the techniques I've worked less with. Yeah, But... Then once I've made it the first time, I'm like, hmm, I could do this again with my eyes closed. And yeah. and Kalina's like, how how are you doing this with no recipe? <laughs> or why are you doing this with no recipe? Or what's worse is I'll make something. And she's like, oh, my God, this is so good. And then a month later, she'll be like, oh, can you make me that again? I'm like, uh, I have no memory of what that was. <laughs> I don't even remember three ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> how do I do this again? Ah, oh, man. Yeah. 
Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, anyway, I went way off track. So I hear you want to tell me about a winery. I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, winery. <clears throat> back to back to the topic at hand. Uh, yes, I've got an awesome winery uh, that my wife and I visited. Oh, geez. Probably in 2016, 2017. It's a great little winery on the um, in the Cowichan Valley. Uh, just up the road from us, kind of. Well, not quite up the road. It's about 30 minutes or so up the Malhat. And it's called Enrico Winery. Now, Enrico oh, is a... F- Enrique Iglesias. Oh, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 2000, uh, the uh, Smith family bought this 50-acre farm. And after living kind of in a vineyard uh, before, uh, they became, they fell in love with the process of making wine. So they found this spot in, in Cobble Hill is the official kind of area or mill bay um, on the island uh, to start their uh, winery. Um, so bought it in 2000 and planted their first eight acres of uh, Pinot Grigio and Pinot Noir in 2007. Uh, and since uh, 2007, they've expanded to 15 acres and uh, started planting hybrid grapes such as Ortega, Cabernet Libre, and Cabernet Fauche. Um, as of 2020, when the, the article that I read about Enrico was uh, written, they ha- their production is around 2,000 cases. So not too, too much, being a relatively small winery. Yeah, it's quite, quite small and exclusive that's yeah. awesome yeah oh it's really really great um they first bought they bottled their first wine in 2009 and opened it they converted one of their uh one of the barns on their property into a tasting room in 2011 and from what i remember it, going there it's a beautifully small farm uh, and a lovely, lovely uh, area to uh, sip your wine. And it's definitely got the kind of uh, rustic feel to it. It's got a beautiful uh, outdoor patio space where you can look over the farm and the part of the vineyard and just enjoy the peace and quiet of of, of farmland uh, with lovely, lovely wines sitting in front of you. I don't know about you, but that sounds like <laughs> it's it's heaven. It's fantastic. One of the... One of the things that it's important to remember, uh, Cowichan Valley and like the island is not really known for winemaking, and that's mainly due to the fact that we don't have that really hot climate that the Okanagan gets, and where you can get all your deep flavors uh, and uh, complex flavors, I should say. Uh, In the Cowichan Valley, for like a when they study the the ground makeup, they found that it was a volcanic in origin. And millions of years ago, the Cowichan Valley was actually underwater, which is great because present day the present day soils have lots of limestone and uh, and kind of marine deposits, which makes the soil fantastic for for growing wines. Yeah, actually, I I just learned about this actually, and the the rock composition on Vancouver Island is unlike anything else in British Columbia mm-hmm. and across British Columbia is unlike anything else in the rest of Canada because what happens is as the plates move towards North America the different rocks from different volcanic activity across the Pacific Ocean gets pushed over so as those rocks are being formed they're formed differently and some of them are metamorphic and some of them are you know just the igneous rocks that come across 
and they get pushed across and eventually what will happen like so basically Vancouver Island once was as far west as halfway to Japan wow and it's it's been moving closer and closer and eventually in like i don't know a billion years or whatever it will come in contact with North America and then we can be friends close to tribe together. <laughs> Yay! No ferry separating. <laughs> anyway, us. super nerd, but the the rock topography of of Vancouver Island and the um the west coast of British Columbia up until the the coastal mountains is really quite remarkable and so it doesn't surprise me that it's this unique terroir there that allows the grapes to grow in a very specific way. Yeah. Well, look at how much you learn from your rock course geology oh that's awesome that's actually really interesting (laughs) (laughs) the nice thing as well for for vancouver island um is that it's cool and mostly dry uh so we we have a quite a long frost uh free season as they call it uh which is great for um for the health of uh, grapevines and and such so makes for the ability to be able to grow specific kind of grapes that are aren't really found anywhere else in BC. So uh, one of them I'd love to talk to you about is Tempest Ortega, which is one of their white wines. Back in 20, in 2015, Enrico uh, Winery won uh, the British Columbia's Lieutenant Governor's Wine Award, uh, which is one of the most prestigious awards for wine in the country. And uh, it was their uh 2014 Tempest Ortega and I do remember I remember being on the uh inside doing our tasting and then uh, the person who was uh, walking us through the tasting was telling us about how this one was this particular one was made and uh forgive me I might get this a little bit wrong but this is just, just from memory uh they <laughs> We all know how, how good my memory is. <laughs> so they're explaining it. When you look at a picture of the, the Ortega Tempest, it looks it's a white wine, but it's got kind of a red pinky tinge to it. And the way they do that, at least in the varietal that we've tasted, is that it's actually made of Pinot Noir grapes, but they've taken the skin off of the grapes really early. So it's actually it's a white wine that was made with red wine grapes which is really, I thought was fascinating. Um, And it just comes from taking the skins off uh, early on in the, in the uh, winemaking process. Yeah. So, so white wines, white wines, they take the skins off immediately. Mm -hmm. And then rosé wines, they let the skin sit on for anywhere from 24 to usually around 72 hours and then use red grapes for that. And then red wines, they mill it all together. Yeah. And that's not actually not the first time I've heard of a red wine being made as a white wine. Ah. There's there is a winery that I've been to as well, and they they served a chilled red, and they did the same thing. Oh, cool! Oh, very good. So this was yeah. the first time that I had run into this uh, this uh, way of making a white wine. So I think that's probably why it stuck so much in my head. Yeah, which I thought was super interesting. Super super cool. Yeah, really. Really great. I found the the whole experience there. They've got a, a really intimate tasting area. It felt very much like made specifically for tasting and to be like close in close quarters. And so you can really enjoy 
listening to how the how the grapes were made and where the grapes have come from and the the people that work there were fantastic they really took their time and that's something that i always i always look out for when i'm wine tasting whether it's in the okanagan or on the island is how knowledgeable the the staff are and how um and how and just how much time they take with us explaining how, the process to uh and and where the grapes come from and kind of the uh, the sediment composition of the soil. So I found it just an overall, just amazing experience. Thankfully, a very short drive up uh, from where we live now. So uh, I'm very excited now that uh, things have settled a little bit with COVID that we can go up and probably taste really soon because I'm really excited, interested to see what they've done more recently. They've just planted in back in 2017 Chardonnay and I don't, uh, Chardonnay grapes. So I don't remember actually being able to taste one. So we'll have to, I'll have to let you know how that goes. So this is a wonderfully, awesome. wonderfully small family owned, does things very, very well. And you can tell you just go onto their website and they have countless awards from year after year, just uh, across the board, whether it's their reds or their whites. So they're clearly doing something very, very well. So I've, I, yes. for one, am, yeah, absolutely. I, for one, am very excited to go to go back. Yeah, I love I love a small winery that just focuses on doing things well. Yeah. And I mean, you'll <laughs> see that in mine as well. So. <laughs> there you go. So if you're if you're in the area of uh, Vancouver Island, Southern Vancouver Island, and Enrico Winery is located on 3280 Telegraph Road, Mill Bay, BC. Well, thank you. That was awesome. I, I'm excited to. I, I've I've always had a soft spot for wineries that aren't in the Okanagan. I mean, obviously, I'm love wineries that are in the Okanagan, Thompson, um, Asoyuz area, but the ones that really push through and persevere yeah. you know, on the lower mainland or on the Gulf Islands or Van- Vancouver Island, it's, I always find quite fascinating because they have to do things so differently. Totally. Uh, different grapes. They don't get to just follow the same textbook. Yeah. They have to find the right grapes. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff, what have you been drinking this week? Well, I mentioned that yesterday I went up to Pemberton mm-hmm. and on the way back, we stopped in Squamish and went to a brewery that I quite enjoy. Ooh. So the the brewery is called A-Frame. Oh, and yes. so it's one of three in Squamish right now. It's the smallest, but they have all their beers named after different lakes. Oh. And so I don't have all the names in front of me, but every one of their beers, whatever it is, is named after a lake and then kind of the subset of what it what it is a hazy ale or ipa etc cetera, etc cetera. right so the one beer that i want to talk to talk about which is new for me i'm not sure if it's entirely new but it's called a uh, tesla lake oak smoked ale Ooh. and so the cans are really cool because on it's really simple cans with an actual picture of the lake on it yeah like a like a map style picture of it so you you see the shape of it and then just a little simple logo from a frame and what A-Frame does really well is they keep their beers really simple, mm-hmm. as I've before mentioned that I like. But this one is super, super different. And unlike anything I've tasted before, I've had kind of smoked lagers, smoky um, beers before, um, barrel-aged beers, those kind of smoke in, in part. This one is, it's a it's a malt called Gredziski. Ooh. Gredziski. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but... Uh, it's, so it says it is a, it's a German wheat malt and then they oak smoke it and oh. the, they oak smoke a, and then they make the beer from it. Right. 
So it's so smoky. And it's not just the generic smoke flavor where, you know, you get kind of, you know, smoke, smoky. But <laughs> but when when you have a specific type of smoke, too, that's imparted in a in into a flavor, like if you use hickory or applewood or oak, they, they all stand out specifically in as a very distinct flavor. Yeah. And then this beer is quite light. So it's essentially a wheat ale. And then it has this smokiness oh. in it. And so it really has this really strong on the nose. First sip, you really get that smoke kind of going all the way down your throat, but then immediately it's gone. Weird. Unlike a lot of smoked beers that that are out there, which are porters or stouts or whatever, where you have that lingering flavor afterwards. Yeah. This one is so clean. It just falls right off. And so it was really interesting. I've never had anything like it. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've never had anything like it. And I, I highly recommend it. I don't know if it's a limited edition or or what. I, I didn't ask. We actually just got a four pack because we were on our way home. Yeah. And so when I tried it when I got home, it was really incredible. And it was so light. And it was really refreshing after a hot day in the sun of paddle wards and getting eaten by bugs. So <laughs> yeah, highly recommend it. And also, I just want to give a quick shout out to Corey. Yes, I love A-Frame. <laughs> that's, a, that's really interesting that the I wonder how they get the smoky flavor to kind of sit on your palate for a short period of time and then just be, disappear. Because that's something that when I have like a smoky, smoky beer, and I love it, there is such an interesting flavor profile, but it just sits in your palate forever. Then the rest of the beers, or at least I find the rest of the beers that you taste, are kind of like smoky, like little hints of smoke. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's because it's such a light beer. There's right. probably not a lot of substance to the beer to carry the smoke through. Right. So just like a Pilsner or whatever falls off your palate immediately, this so does this. Because right. the smoke can't carry its own flavor. It has to be carried by something else. So right. I think that's probably why. Whereas with a porter, because it's so heavy and because they're, they're... Well, the other thing too is that in heavier beers, the malt is roasted for longer. Right. And so it gives that deepened flavor to it and the caramelization to it. Whereas mm-hmm. with uh, an ale or or kind of a, a wheat beer, they're... It's less than 5% roasted, so right. there's not that absorption of that flavor into it. So I I'm, I'm imagine that has a lot to do with it. But And I don't typically go for smoked beers or barrel-aged beers because I find them overwhelming yeah. for exactly the reason that you just said. Yeah. But no, this one was super clean. I would have it over and over again. Oh, well, adding that to the, my endless list of beers I need to try. <laughs> well, it's on the map, so as you tick off... Your completion of the maps. Yes. The the Taste BC radio map. You can try it when you go there. Oh, definitely. We It's, it's kind of, uh, we would have gone to A-Frame because we were driving through Whistler in July, at the end of July. We're driving through uh, Squamish yeah. on our way back, to and from Whistler, obviously. And uh, um, just the timing that we had, we were, we missed its opening. And uh, we, unfortunately, on the way back, we had to kind of boogie to the, to the ferry terminal because well bc ferries yeah. are a bit rough right now so but we're super sad that we didn't get to try uh a frame super sad yes yeah, it it's too bad but you know it'll always be there just another <laughs> oh yeah just another reason to go back right <laughs> again another ever-growing list of places that i need to go back to all right, Dan, what have you been drinking you know what i actually have a beer for you as well i remember tasting this beer actually last week which uh, and it's a fantastic one that was on my list, and my never-ending list of beers I need to try that I actually got to cross off. 
So it comes from a local brewery. You might recognize it as Twa Dogs, and it's Saanich. Oh yes, Saanich BC's only brewery, which is great, and they are fantastic. They released uh, this summer the Raspberry Creme Brulee Strong Ale, and oh, it hello. is yeah. Oh, it is so, so fantastic. It's rich in flavor, it's complex, and yet somehow it's refreshing and creamy at the same time. It is just it's just a fantastically brewed beer. Just as the name says, you got you get the initial hit of raspberries, and then kind of as the beer travels through your palate, it becomes more creamy and vanilla forward and kind of kind of like a creme brulee in all honesty amazing <laughs> i know and it uh and then it finishes with a bit of uh caramel and malt at the end of it so it's super and somehow it's very light like i didn't feel like it was a heavy beer that um, i couldn't drink on the patio it was com- the complete opposite i could drink that very easely carefully because it's 8.4 abvs so <laughs> oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> so it lives up to its strong wow. ale name um and, and yet somehow it does not taste like an 8.4 percent abv so i hats off to twa dogs they hit this one out of the park it is oh highly highly recommend for all those reasons I also feel somehow like with the complexity of the flavors, it could be either enjoyed in the in the uh, summer or even the fall as like a nice kind of desserty beer that you have after in, in front of the fire or something during uh, winter. Yeah, it's uh, it just got so much. Um, it's got so much range uh, and complexity to it that it can be enjoyed in any season and enjoyed thoroughly, no matter what. No matter what it is. One of the ones that you have to look out for in your local uh, liquor stores. Just fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, can't say anything anything negative about it. It is just so, so well done. I'm hoping that it becomes one of their mainstays. Because um, at this point, I think it's just a seasonal. Or one of the ones that they've kind of concocted. Um, but man, <laughs> man, it is good. And just oh, that, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's the brewery that also does uh, whiskeys, right? Correct. Yeah, they're uh, they. Oh yeah, yeah. They uh, they have a wide variety of alcohols that you can try, and uh, their uh, wa- their brewery is dog friendly as well, both inside and out. So you can bring your little pups to to the to taste, and they they love dogs there. It's it's great. My our dog loves going there because he always gets treats and always gets to meet other dogs. So. Amazing. And then we are happy because we get to drink awesome beer or whiskey. Yeah. And you don't have to leave Boomer at home. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right? And uh, yeah. it just so happens to be about... So gu- guilt-free guilt beer. Free. <laughs> guilt-free. <laughs> and uh, it just happens to be like 10 or 15 minutes away walking from our house. So yeah, a bit dangerous for us, but that's that's okay. All right. So I hear you have a winery to talk about there, Jeff. I also have a winery to talk about. Yes. And that winery is called Intrigue Wines. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Oh, I was going to make that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad. So speaking of Lake Country, speaking of Lake Country, I want to uh, talk a little bit about the history Mm -hmm. in that area. So in Lake Country there, which is between Kelowna and Vernon, Mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of lakes. It's in between Lake Okanagan, Lake Malka, Turtle Lake. So they, in the late 1800s, pretty close to 1900, um, there was a huge plot of land called, that was deemed Rainbow Ranch. 
and Rainbow Ranch was deemed pretty much unfarmable. Mm. And so they just made money any way that they could through uh, logging or a little bit of cattle grazing, stuff like that. But they could barely afford to pay the interest on the land, which, by the way, they bought for $2,000. And... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) um, Which, obviously, back then was a ton. But they... So they they actually ended up selling it, and then a new owner came along and, and bought it. And so by a series of events, a man by the name of James Goldie ended up being the manager of the farm, well, the ranch. And they built a small little house down by the lake. That house was used as the main point where travelers and trades and all that stuff was going through anyway fast forward to modern time there is lake country that that area was split up and now is absolutely dominated by wineries and vineyards a few orchards a couple houses but for the most part it's it's just farming because they originally they thought oh it's too hot to grow anything of value here which is funny because now it's like the only place in canada that's hot enough to grow these grapes even with climate change so Along came the winery movement in the early 2000s, where all this land was getting gobbled up and people were starting wineries all over BC. So now on uh, in Lake Country, there's a road called Goldie Road, named after James Goldie from this ranch. Mm-hmm. And on Goldie Road, in 2009, the doors opened for a winery called Intrigue. And Intrigue was started by two couples. The two couples are Ross and Jerry from Kelowna and Roger and Jillian from Coquitlam and St. John, New Brunswick, originally. So all of them bring a lot to the table. But Jerry uh, was the controller, which was basically like the head of the accountants at Grey Monk Winery. And Roger was on the winemaking team, in particular on the red wine portion of the winemaking at Grey Monk. And so that's how... well. I actually don't know that's how they met, but that's what is implied as how they met. Hmm. And so Roger is the winemaker for Intrigue. And I want to just focus on him specifically because his history is quite interesting. He's done a tremendous amount of winemaking from Pinot Reach Cellars, which is now called Tantalus Vineyards, which is the oldest vineyard in BC. Wow. And then he actually launched his his solo winemaking career with a brand called Focus when he fell in love with the Riesling grape. And so Riesling was always a key f- feature in the opening of Intrigue Winery. Right. They would always, th- that was the very first reserve that they ever had was in a Riesling reserve. And it was picked from only one small corner of that vineyard be- where the hit- light hit it just right, that it got this beautiful flavor. So it was I'm 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 not going to remember these numbers perfectly, but it was something like 25% of 8% of the vineyard was the grapes that went into that because oh, it was wow. such a elite grape and so a very small amount was made from it. Yeah. But anyway, um so it started as exclusively white wines except for two reds. Mm-hmm. Uh this is unconfirmed, but my but my assumption was he's making reds day to day for Grey Monk. And so he wants to make what he's not making. And this was considered their weekend project. And so what had originally been a kind of a weekend project was 
has now exploded into quite a large winery. You can get Intrigue all across BC in, in wineries, or sorry, <laughs> in liquor stores. So the first time actually I went to Intrigue was in 2010. So it was only a year that they had been open, and a lot of their original varietals were still on the table for purchase. And this was back in the time when wineries weren't charging for tastings. Yeah. If you can imagine that. I was going to say, that's a hard concept to imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I distinctly remember this tasting. It always stood out to me. The the little tasting room, which is still the the original one that they have today, Mm -hmm. is just this tiny little shack on the acreage or whatever, however much space they have. And it was a gravel car park area, which they only paved a couple years ago. And no that was the entire tasting experience was in there. They they had a little, a couple like local jams and stuff. They had some knickknacks, like um, those things you hang on the wall that says wine makes everything better or stuff like that. <laughs> and we walked in and, and we got a tasting, we got to taste five different wines. And I distinctly remember that there was one wine called Damn It's Good. And it's spelled D-A-M-I-T-Z and then good. And if memory serves, it was in honor of a friend of theirs with the name, last name Damitz. And so I ended up buying this wine and they said, lay it down and age it for 18 months because it's not ready to be consumed yet. And that was the first time that I had the willpower to lay down a bottle of wine think they only made something like 50 cases or some ridiculously small amount and so i felt wow. so fortunate to get it and i ended up having it two christmases later because we had gone in the summer so in yeah. 20 uh, christmas of 2011 we had it and oh man it blew my face off it was so good it was so good <laughs> and they still sell it now but it's always a limited quantity and it's not every year that they mm. produce it it's just when they can get the grapes for it Oh, wow. And so, but they do sell it ready to drink now because they, they'll mm-hmm. pre-age it for you. Anyway, so there's a lot of history in their wines. And so that was one of two reds that they originally created. The other one was a Merlot. And then all the rest were whites. Now they have quite a variety and they've toyed around with a bunch of different kinds of wines. They have they have what's called a social blend, which is kind of their white rosé or, or red blends that they have. and the mm-hmm. And then they have a bunch of different whites. They have a bunch of different reds now as well. They have rosé. They have a sparkling rosé called I Do, which has just got the most beautiful decorations on the bottle. And it's encompassed mm-hmm. in a heart. And it's actually the ones that we served at our wedding. And, yes, I remember. Um, yeah, so, so perfect for that. And they, they will do custom labels for that as well. So if you want to order them for a wedding or anniversary or something, they'll, they'll cust- do a custom label of like, Mercy and John, or whatever. I don't know why those are names I chose. <laughs> so so that you can you can bring it and you can use it for like a engagement announcement or or whatever. And so that's really cool. They also serve mini bottle like personal size bottles of that now too. And I'm not sure if they'll do those as custom labels, but I'm sure they would if you asked because yeah. those as like party favors for an engagement party or whatever. And then you just have this memory, this bottle as a memory. So that's really really cool that they do. Another really interesting thing because they, they really um, they they really honor the heritage of that area as well. They have an original map of Rainbow Ranch hanging in 
the wine shop. Oh, that's so cool. And then apparently also they salvaged some of the original brick and uh, building. And it's now incorporated in their building as part of their shelving and stuff like that. That is awesome. So it's really, really cool. And it's one of those wineries that seems like it's it's growing, but it's growing organically. It's not pushing the growth. It's not trying to compete with the huge wineries. It's not trying to compete with, you know, the and get out and sell as much as possible. They just want to do what they're doing well. They also experimented with some ice wines, which were uh, good. And they also did some late harvest ones. So instead of it being like super sweet, it's just a little bit on the sweeter side. So it's nice as like a dessert, but it's um it's not quite as syrupy as ice wines are. Yeah, uh, super uh, exciting to go. I've I've made a point to go there, even when we are kind of wind out and we want to just fly through. It's one of the ones that always makes a list, no matter what. Even if we're not doing a tasting, yeah. we go in, we make sure to grab a couple of bottles. Now, in the last couple of years, I'm not sure. I imagine probably a lot of it was with, because of COVID. But the last time we went there, they had opened up a huge back area and it's um all on grass and they have sofas you can actually do outdoor tastings back there now too which is why i think that they opened it up that way for covid um and they have fire pits and they've started serving some charcuterie boards and like i said they already had the local jams so they're starting to, to do that as well and you can really you can go with a big social group or you can just go with just you and your partner or yourself or whatever and so they're their kind of dine, quote dine-in experience is really yeah. improved. And, and it's funny because a couple of years ago, just across the street from them, a investor built a massive, massive, massive winery and just said, I'm going to build a huge winery and just stuck it up right beside them across the street. And they had like a full kitchen with a forno and, they were just pumping out wines. They had something like 15 different varietals from the get-go, but they were producing wines before the grapes were really... Because what happens is as the grapevines mature, so does the taste of the wine. So the older the grapevines, the yeah. the better your wines get. So they were producing wines from very uh, young grapes and they're getting better across the street, but it's kind of like the juggernaut came in beside and, and is dwarfing this winery but it's like the david and goliath story where intrigue is just so good and powerful that they're you know holding their own so it was like oh this juggernaut went in across the street from them well okay we'll pave our driveway (laughs) so so yeah i don't know i i really love the simplicity of the label of their bottles i love the way that they their philosophy around it every time we go in there the team is just so kind so happy i tell them that if I ever happen to mention that I got like one of the original bottles of Damage Good, they're like, oh my God, like you've been, you've known about this place longer than I have. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's kind of a weird flex, but I don't know. It's, it's cool. I really, um, I just love, I just love their story and I love their area and, uh, oh, and the wines that they produce. Well, quality over quantity, win, that'll win every time. Hundred yeah. percent. And that's so cool that they're still pumping away despite that massive winery being, placed right across from them basically so oh that's that's fantastic i'll have to well i don't think i have so when we go to the okanagan it's no, normally like oliver and a soyuz mm-hmm. like wine country basically so i haven't really explored a lot of the uh, 
Kelowna, Vernon, Lake Country area in terms of wineries. So I'll be sure to put this one on my list. Amazing. All right, so that's Intrigue Wines. They're located at 2291 Goldie Road in Lake Country, BC. And that's just off the 97 Highway. Oh, perfect. Easy to get to. Well, that about wraps it up for this leg of our journey. Taste BC Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by Jeff Wilson and me, Dan Cavanaugh. You can continue the journey and check out everywhere we talked about today in the show notes and our Taste BC map. Make sure to follow us at Taste BC Radio on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to have you join our community on Patreon. Links are in the show notes. Tune in next time to find out what we will be tasting next, and never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the show. This really does help us grow, and we do really appreciate the feedback. Until next time, support local and keep it tasty. But the ones that really push through and persevere on the lower mainland or on the Gulf Islands or Vancouver Island, I always find quite fascinating because they have to do things so differently. Totally. They don't get to just follow the same textbook. Yeah. Different grapes. They just find the right grapes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. I think we're yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah, different grapes, uh, just different style of different making... gra- different grapes, different, different grapes, style of different. <laughs> <laughs> uh...